Happy Halloween! I'm your host, Memes, a former makeup artist, and you're listening to the Swatch of Horrors podcast, a beauty podcast where we tell beauty horror stories told by beauty professionals. This is a super special episode because it's being released on Halloween, and we're talking all about horror makeup and special effects from horror movies. And we're also going to be sharing a tattoo horror story from the perspective of the client this time. A little different. Plus, my guest today is a fellow podcaster. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, share with your friends, put it on Instagram or Twitter. Follow me at Swatch of Horrors. And you know what? I'm always looking for new guests and I'm always looking for new beauty horror stories. So if you are a beauty professional, please send me a DM or an email at swatchofhorrors at gmail.com. I hope you're staying safe this Halloween, avoiding crowds, making good decisions, and I hope you enjoy listening to this today with the special Halloween edition of Swatch of Horrors. Swatch of Horrors. I'm looking for a new peak for So today is a special episode of the Swatch of Horrors podcast. This is our Halloween special, which is the first one ever. Yay. And yay, so appropriate to do a collab with a fellow podcast. Um, today I have with me, here's a, okay, here's a few things we're going to do differently. We are, instead of talking about horror stories from the makeup artist's perspective or the beauty professional's perspective, we're going to talk about a horror story from the customer's perspective, and we're going to get a little bit into some horror movie makeup discussions. Um, and I have an expert here with me today. <laughs> um, ah. Alex Webster is from the Horrible People's Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. I feel like I already know you because, well, one, we just got done talking <laughs> for, for like, like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, like, when I listen to your podcast with you and Anthony, um, I have known Anthony in the past. <laughs> I just feel like I kind of just know you guys. Like, you just make me feel like I'm sitting in the room with you and having this conversation about horror movies. That's honestly my favorite compliment to receive on the podcast. Like that's Yay. that's the vibe that we want to go for uh, always just because that's um, kind of what we look for in our own podcast selections. So thank you for saying that. That's so sweet. So a little bit about you. You are a lover of cats. You do have <laughs> how many cat children do you have? I have two. One is named Britannia and I adopted her in like 2014-ish, you know, 2015. Uh, and then uh, I'm, I just adopted another kitten. Her name is Bowie and she is rambunctious, but she's mm -hmm. wonderful. So I am jealous because I want animals and I don't have any right now, but maybe one day. Um, I did have a cat for like one day. Um, it for was one a, day? Yes, it was a little kitten that I found outside, which... According to people, it was like a kind of a larger kitten. So maybe it was like 
a very I don't know I don't know cat cat years or cat ages but it must have been like a few months and uh, I found it and I took it in thinking maybe we could keep it but we couldn't and so um I scanned it for a chip and everything and it was the sweetest cat in, in the entire world that I've ever met didn't hiss or scratch at me or anything and um I ended up giving it to an old friend for to adopt so that's really sweet yeah I didn't get to keep it I even named it too so I'm like oh but enough of my cat woes um (laughs) so Alex you also shit where's my outline (laughs) (laughs) you're also uh you know you have been on the horrible people's podcast it started in 2018 uh you have a love for horror movies and you're a graduate of UCR and when you're not doing horror stuff you're baking right yeah I like baking um I and you know this is relevant to the story for later but uh, I'm a bit of a tattoo collector uh yeah I'm baking I'm do you like collect other people's tattoos like like, (laughs) no (laughs) oh geez no that that's a horror story in and of itself isn't it (laughs) No, um, no, uh, I, you know, I just am always fixated on what my next tattoo is going to be. And uh, I bake a lot. I've been watching a lot of the Great British Baking Show. And um, let's see, I'm always trying new things. There's a farmer's market down the street from my apartment that I love. So I always like pick up fresh stuff and I'm like, what can I make with this? And then I try it. So that's good. I'm a skincare nerd. <laughs> I just started getting more into skincare like in the last three months. So maybe we can totally vibe out on that. Like I think I've been telling people like I was really all I knew was regular like scrubbing exfoliation. And then I got into chemical exfoliation. Like, yes, burn mm-hmm. my face. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Regular like physical exfoliants. That's like I remember being thinking like that was like the epitome of skincare. But it's like <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I feel so bad. Like no wonder I had horrible acne as a teenager. I like, yeah. used, like I used like a physical exfoliant like every single day. Like, oh, <laughs> scrub the shit out of your face. <laughs> of course I had acne. And it was like St. Ives. Like, of course. <laughs> it's like the devil's product. Yeah, exactly. And then um. I was going to say, I know we mentioned, like, collecting people's skin for tattoos. Um, (laughs) Have you seen, was it Suicide Club? Have you seen that? It's like a gay horror movie. Yes, I have. It is so good. Don't they, like, collect people's skin, like, on a roll? Like, Yeah, they do. (laughs) That's what it reminded me of. Oh, that's good. That is a very niche horror reference. And I sincerely hope one person who's listening gets that reference because, God, that's a good movie. Such a weird, but it was good. A good movie. So we do have like some common, a common denominator. Uh, Your podcast host, Alec. Oh, my God. Your, (laughs) Your podcast host, Anthony, was a former coworker of ours. Yeah, only in different, like I mentioned this earlier, we need to start like a support group of people who have podcasts and also former coworkers of Anthony. Like, and it's funny because like, I haven't really talked to Anthony in a really long time, but mm-hmm. like listening to the podcast, it's like, it almost feels like I talk to him all the time. But then when I, <laughs> once I started getting into like podcasting, um, he was like super helpful with tips and some guidance. So I'm like totally grateful to you guys and to him just to kind of encouraging me and helping me 
navigate so through all awesome. this. So. Yeah, he was telling me all about it when you were like getting started and everything. And like, it's been really cool that like, you know, like this kind of, that he was able to like help with that. And oh, that's so cool. It's very cool that people are able to listen and be, think or have that feeling of being there with us and having that conversation. So if so. you're lonely and you need friends, like listen to the Horrible <laughs> People's Podcast. <laughs> we're right there with you (laughs) so tell me tell us a little bit about like your podcast in a nutshell sure so you actually did a great job describing it but basically the horrible people's podcast is uh, a weekly podcast where anthony and i watch and discuss a horror film every single week uh sometimes it's not even a horror film we've done video games and we've done television shows pretty much if it's horror we want to cover it right and then the whole feel of the show is just two good friends sitting down and you know, talking about a horror film. Uh, sometimes we'll talk about the production of the film if it has a particularly interesting production. Uh, we'll talk about the plot if it has a really funny or uh, evocative plot. Uh, but the overall feel is that we want to bring um, horror to pretty much anyone who has an interest in it. A lot of my friends who don't like horror because it gives them anxiety or it just isn't really the (laughs) genre for them really like the podcast because we break it down basically to bite-sized parts where it's like, oh, okay, you know, this podcast, you know, is able to be like, oh, the production is about this, this, and this. And it's still an interesting podcast without talking about blood and guts 24-7. Yeah, and then also we try to be as diverse as possible. We try to cover as many subgenres as we can and we try to you know we do theme months and all that fun stuff so that's the quick summary (laughs) that's not so quick about what we do no it's okay I I like that whole production like background aspect that you guys give to it because it does give you more of like an insight as to like the background of the movie that you wouldn't even know about like especially the house episode I I haven't seen house in probably like 10 years Mm -hmm. and that episode was so cool just like the background of it like I had no idea how like everything all the little details you guys talked about I was just like wow that makes sense really okay that's awesome um yeah we were we've been looking forward to that episode for a really long time so we're I'm glad that you liked it speaking of horror let's get right into talking about and critiquing some of the special effects makeup in a few of the horror movies that you picked out that you wanted to talk about today. So the first one is going to be like a good example of special effects, especially for that time. The Thing. The Thing, yes. So let me just pull something up real quick. And mind you, like I, I'm like the worst person when it comes to not seeing movies that everyone has probably seen, especially like in the 80s it should be like an an area that I should know well but um yeah I've not seen the thing yet so the thing um is even though even if you haven't seen it which is totally fine it is from 1982 it's one of John Carpenter's post Halloween works it is so for those of you who haven't seen it it's episode 42 of the horrible people's podcast if you would like to check it out it was our season finale for season one uh we're in season three right now so nice congratulations thank you so yeah the it's the thing from 1982 the gist of this movie 
is uh, in remote Antarctica, a group of American research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. So they take in the dog, it attacks both human beings and other dogs at the camp. And they discover that this dog can basically assume the shape of its victims. Uh, This helicopter pilot who's played by Kurt Russell and a camp doctor played by Richard Dysart uh, lead the camp crew in a desperate gory battle against this creature before it basically kills everyone so so is the thing the thing that kills people and it morphs into other things yeah so if it kills you it can turn into you oh yeah uh so it's this whole like isolation type thing because uh, it all takes place in, in like super isolated um, Antarctica. The reason why I picked this one is for its time, 1982, Rob Botton did the special effects for this movie and they are, I don't know if you looked up like any snippets or scenes from this movie or anything. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> so this movie was particularly fun because the special effects and all of the good examples, these are all practical effects, um, which in my opinion are the reason so many of these films are able to stand the test of time because they hold up. Because again, this is an eight, 1982 and the special effects still look so good and they still look disgusting. We're talking like like the people's, like when their heads are getting blown up, like that's bubble gum, like all these kinds of really, really yeah. All these really <laughs> cool little like factoids about the special effects for this movie that really make it stand the test of time and really look make it look grotesque and disgusting like to the point that it's a borderline body horror movie um yeah I I personally I mean so I don't know how much experience you have with like special effects makeup but not um, much at all (laughs) okay so like with this it like they oh my gosh like I could go on and on but um the thing kind of was like groundbreaking especially considering that this movie even though it did not get it, it, it it's due, due diligence at all mm-hmm. <laughs> it deserves better it basically got like completely panned no one really got got it in 1982 yeah if you do like a google search for um the thing rob botten you see like this melty face which looks pretty real actually Ah, oh, so good. But anyway, continue. So yeah, so the special, especially in the 80s, so I especially want to look up some bubbly, melty scenes with bubblegum. That would be really interesting to do. Yes, so the creature effects used a variety of materials, like mayonnaise, cream corn, microwave bubblegum, <laughs> KY jelly, like they used lube. <laughs> oh my god, that like, okay, wow, like I don't think I can eat like. Well, I don't like mayo anyway. But (laughs) here's the thing. Like, mayo, I like it in potato salad, but I don't like it in anything else. I think it's just... I'll tolerate, like, some... Like, a good sriracha mayo. Like, I like a good sriracha mayo. Oh, that's Um, good, too. I'll make an exception, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make an exception for that. (laughs) Uh, So, we got the thing. So, good special effects. Another example of good special effects that you wanted to share was from The Fly. Yes, lots of those. I know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
So the fly. So the reason I wanted to bring attention to this one, this is episode 11. Uh, this movie is from 1986. So I am a little, a little bit more into my backstory. I love the eighties. I am an eighties <laughs> music fan. I am an eighties movies fan. Eighties um, are I, great. They, <laughs> yeah. Was I alive? No, but still. <laughs> oh, such a baby. Well, actually I've only had two years in the 80s so like so, I, I don't really have any like ground to stand on but <laughs> but still so uh this was directed by David Cronenberg who is one of my all-time favorite directors he's basically the king of body horror for those of you who don't know body horror is basically a horror subgenre that focuses on the I mean if you want to take it quite literally the horror of having a body and basically all the disgusting things that can go wrong with having a body (laughs) sounds like my real life right now (laughs) like being in my 30s (laughs) thank you for giving me something to look forward to you're welcome it's uh it's not that great it's awful it's acid reflux and all these other things. <laughs> but yeah, body horror. Yeah, right. So um the thing about <laughs> the so thing the, the about thing, the fly. The thing about the fly. So again, in 1986, um uh, this the special effects was done by Chris Wallace, uh, who did the special effects for Gremlins, I believe, if I, I remember love correctly. Gremlins. Yeah, he did like arachnophobia, he did gremlins, he did E.T., he did airplane. Um, Yeah, so he's done a bunch of like, you know, fun 70s, 80s films. So he did The Fly uh, and they did basically, they wanted to focus on, uh, I don't know how much of The Fly you looked up and if you did, I'm sorry. I checked out the ending um, oh, on no, YouTube. Oh, no, that's the worst part. <laughs> oh, God, it's disgusting. Uh, let, let's watch this actually together. Um, I think because of um, copyright, we probably can't play the audio, right? I don't know anything about that, but... Uh, uh, probably not the audio, okay. but that's okay, because it, it, it probably won't record. <laughs> okay, so I'll just mute it, but this part I was watching where he's coming, what is this, like a time machine like cooker he comes out of? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> time machine cooker. It's an easy bake. T- <laughs> it's an easy bake oven. He's um, like, love me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that scene. I mean, you can talk about that as long as you're not playing the audio from it. Yeah, that's fine. He, but there's this part... I think I skipped over. Let me let me back it up a little bit. So he's okay. he's crawling Hold out on. of this thing. Let me see. Oh, this part where he's opening the thing, the time machine cooker, mm-hmm. easy bake oven. <laughs> and then he like falls. Oh, and he falls out. Okay, so this part of the movie is where um Jeff Goldblum meshes with a machine and a fly. Like he's literally part <laughs> man, part machine, part fly. He looks so sad. This is like the it's disgusting and it literally it, it, it's upsetting <laughs> but this is like so sad because like then he just wants to die like look at his like he's like dragging himself over is he in love with this lady yes he is madly in love with this woman. <laughs> look at his hand she, look at <laughs> oh gina davis dramatically fucking goddess in this movie and like jeff goldblum is so hot until he turns into a into this frickin- thing into the into the fly it looks kind of like a fetus like yeah oh yeah 
And then he just takes the gun and is just like, kill me. Oh, he says that? No, he doesn't. I'm just adding it for dramatic effect. But like, that's pretty much what he's thinking because he can't speak because he's a fly. So this looks like some lube probably like on his (laughs) little claw. They slathered that claw in some KY jelly for sure. Okay, what, oh, else, what other look things? Look at his little daisies and the hairs. and He oh. looks kind of like a little chicken. Like, have you ever eaten balut or balut? I don't know. It's like a... I'm familiar with it. I've never it's... eaten it, but it's like a little chick that has oh, not like... Oh, look at that. It just <laughs> falls apart. Oh, my God. He looks like that, like the little chicken. That is... Underdeveloped. <laughs> I could never eat it now. <laughs> Oh, my God. I know some people, like, you know, it's, like, an actual, you know, delicacy, but, ugh. So, yeah, this looks pretty good. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so... (laughs) Oh, see, first thing, The Fly, created and designed by Chris Wallace. Um, Hmm. So, if you want to keep up with what I just described in graphic, disgusting, hilarious detail, (laughs) just look up The Fly ending on YouTube and just, like, ugh. So... And that was in the 80s. It's pretty good. Yeah, so there's a lot of, like, steps earlier. The part of this movie, they kind of wanted to make it, like, a metaphor for the aging process, like, to the extent that um, Jeff Goldblum's character loses his hair, his teeth, his fingernails start falling off towards the end. Um, And then towards the even later at the end um he also has this like bruised and cancerous look like he just ends up deteriorating (laughs) did he use the apricot scrub (laughs) yeah that's literally what happens if you use the saint eyes apricot scrub into your (laughs) 30s it's what happens i I'm, i'm a scientist so there's like seven stages of the brundle (laughs) <laughs> Is that your cat? <laughs> yeah, so I built a bed frame, mm-hmm. um, and because of that, I no longer need my box spring, and it's just standing in my living room right now, and Bowie's just like, oh, a toy? And, like, so she's, like, climbing all over it. Back to what I was saying. So Brundlefly, as it's lovingly referred to, um, has seven distinct stages, and by, like, stage five, it's not even a person anymore. It's not even Jeff Goldblum. It's just a puppet. <laughs> actually stage six it's a six yeah it's like a partial that it's it's disgusting is what it is I mean honestly Chris Wallace did a great job with this body horror when done right it's supposed to have that like really unsettling kind of grotesqueness to it that you see at the end that very final scene um which is the combination of the of of Jeff Goldblum's character and the telepod, which is the easy bake oven looking thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, and those two telepods for, um, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, basically Jeff Goldblum's character is a scientist trying to create teleportation devices. So that is what it was kind of designed for. And then the whole, you know, concept of teleportation is that it has to completely take you apart and put you back together oh that's right (laughs) um and so (laughs) and somehow some way because science his dna gets intermixed with a fly and so he turns into a fly and then he eventually just ends up becoming more distinctly gross and gross and gross and then he turns into a part robot because he does it again but becomes part of the telepod so 
I'm not describing it well, but if you, it all makes sense in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like how um, he had the detail of like that puppet thing. It had like some little hairs coming out yeah. of its little <laughs> mouth feeler things. And I don't know. I thought it was pretty, pretty good for, for 80s quality. Yeah. Again, it's that practical effects that you don't really get to see um, because uh, for our next film, uh, they decided to go in a different route. And because of that, it ages horrendously. <laughs> so this next one is uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 is yes. one you wanted to talk about for a bad example of special effects, makeup, and... Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Okay, so Friday the 13th Part 3, this is, uh, as the name implies, <laughs> it's the third entry in the Friday the 13th franchise. The only reason this is anyone likes it or it's popular at all is this is the movie where Jason Voorhees gets his mask. Jason Voorhees gets his mask. Um, okay. In, in 1 and 2, well, 1, there is no Jason, well, <laughs> watch the movies. But then in the second <laughs> one, he has this, like, pillowcase thing over his head it's real stupid but it's fine uh and then in the third one that's when he gets the hockey mask so that's kind of what does it justice so this movie was made in 1982 and it was one of the like one of the first well not first but it was definitely one of the first to try to do 3d like effects yeah in 1982 so you can imagine how (laughs) it went i have the head crushing scene that i pulled up on youtube so i think i have it like right here he's getting crushed his head's getting crushed oh okay i missed it go back okay so horrible mannequin like not yeah there we go (laughs) that's the The eyeball just Pops out. pops out yeah and so that's clearly a mannequin it's not well done it's one of those things where like it's people who are just too eager with what they've got and um they again like a lot of the 3d special effects like that's kind of the birth of like random shit just being thrown at the camera hoping that it looks good oh yeah it like the eyeball, I feel like you can see like a wire or something that's like. Yeah, well, it's a mannequin, and then it's just like, <laughs> ah, yes, let's just th- like it's like they filmed it in reverse. <laughs> um, so bad but, example of special effects using yeah. not even trying, just here's no, a mannequin. Well, head. I think they were trying. I just think the the science <laughs> and the tech wasn't really there yet, so they kind of were forced to <laughs> uh, sit there and deal with that kind of. Uh, <laughs> Um, unfortunately, it did not stand the test of time. This is just my own personal dealings with horror, but generally speaking, practical effects stand up so much better. And when you say practical, what do you mean by practical? Like, Great question. I did not bring that up. Practical effects is doing um, your traditional kind of like actual makeup. Uh, so we're talking about using like spirit gum and fake blood and actual um, makeup on an actor versus CGI. So basically putting someone in like a green suit and adding all the gore and special effects in post-production. Okay. Uh, this is obvious. This has become a lot more popular now just because it's kind of like, oh, we have the technology. We might as well use it. But it's led to a decrease 
in the art form, especially in, 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 the, in the movie industry right now. And it's really, really sad to see um, just because like it's like, I mean, you see it now with like other films that aren't necessarily horror films either, mm-hmm. but it's, it's there's kind of like this like lack of appreciation for, for practical effects in horror films because it's, I don't even want to say it's like cheaper necessarily to do CGI, but it's uh, for some reason it's like, oh, we have this cool tech. Let's just do this instead, as opposed to getting innovative and doing um, practical effects. Does that make sense? Yeah, I didn't even think of it like uh, I haven't even thought about it that way. I mean, when I think of CGI, I kind of don't always like it in terms of like when they fake a crowd of like, let's say, a war of people like fighting each other. Like, I don't like that. I like it when it's like real. So when you talk about it in terms of the makeup, like I can totally get it. When you use CGI, it's going to date a movie. Like even a movie, um, and I say this even though it's like, it's like been 30 years, but like even a movie as early from like, as like the nineties. I watched um, Event Horizon recently. Um, I don't know if you've seen Event Horizon, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's a sci-fi um, horror film and they use a lot of CGI in it and it dates the movie and it sucks because it's like there's so many things that could have been done differently to give it a little bit more of like the practical feel or even like Final Destination um, there's some CGI but also they had um, they bought half of a plane for part of Final Destination like wow. it's for like that like kind of realistic shot of the plane so it, it, it depends on kind of the route that you want to take. Um, another fantastic example of practical effects is The Walking Dead. Uh, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the series only because it gives me anxiety. <laughs> but um, Greg Nicotero uh, is the special effects supervisor for at least the earlier seasons of The Walking Dead. I haven't kept up with it, so I'm not entirely sure now. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single person on The Walking Dead has practical effects makeup. And they're all real people. So very similar to what you were talking about, about like they could have just done like seven people and just like copied them and added them (laughs) in the background. But it's like, it's literally like hordes of people who basically spend like 15 minutes getting quickly zombieified, but they look good. And then they're just thrown out there to be zombies all day. um, And it's still, and and it's all practical, like I said. So that's another really good example of practical effects done well. Cool. I learned something new about practical makeup um yeah I I never got to do the whole special effects thing so I I was a former makeup artist and my background was mainly retail makeup so selling on the sales floor but also doing just like event makeup uh, a little bit of bridal makeup and stuff like that but never really got into like the gory stuff special effects and stuff so this is kind of like a whole new (laughs) thing for me so did you ever want to Yes and no. I mean, um, I think I played around with some like eyelash glue and a tissue to make like a scab on my arm. And then you like put some like dark colored makeup on it. So I did some of that, but I never really like, like I like Halloween, but when it comes to like Halloween makeup, like I don't have the energy for it. That's kind of what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If anything, it's just like, yeah, I don't have the energy for it. Fair. My ex would like basically was really into like amateur special effects like makeup. I've been zombieified many, many times. That's pretty cool. It is. Oh, it's super, super cool. And basically, you know, um, you know, using like uh, tissue or using um, 
uh, paper towels and, and makeup and all this stuff. And like, I, I have some very cool photos of Halloween's past of like me getting, of me getting all like torn up and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, God, it's such a process to put on and take off. It yeah. is like, oh, and then like most of this stuff is like glued to your face. And then it's just like, oh, ugh. so awful to get off. Like, yeah. You're talking Especially- to somebody who's still in like their last night's pajamas and it's. <laughs> 7 30 p.m right hey then that just means you get to change into new pajamas yeah <laughs> comfier pajamas so thanks for sharing those examples of good oh, yeah. horror makeup special effects and bad ones um, if anybody yeah. wants to look just go youtube these clips and some of them are really funny and then some of them are pretty gross so. yeah and then um if you want we've also done an episode on friday the 13th part three like I said, episode 42 for The Thing, episode 11 for The Fly. So episode 11 is like super, super early. Uh, but then Friday the 13th, part three is episode 71. Uh, so totally check those out if that's something you're interested in. Uh, for the Horrible People's Podcast, we are on all podcasting and all music kind of platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, yada, yada. Also yeah. watch these movies if you want. Thank you so much for letting me ramble about these. I could talk about horror special effects forever. It's something that's so fascinating to me and I just yeah. love talking about it. No problem. Thanks for like shed, shedding some light on this area <laughs> that I don't really pay attention to. <laughs> so, also, usually I have the makeup artist or the beauty professional talk about their horror story they've experienced either with the client or with the sales interaction or something. But today I'm going to have you talk about your tattoo horror story. And I'm going to segue this because tattoo for some people is a form of beauty. And usually I have I've only had like makeup artists and like nail techs on. Uh, We haven't talked about tattoos yet. So, yeah, I thought this would be a cool new segue to talk about a different subject. So tell me about your tattoo horror story that you wanted to share from the perspective of the client. You're the client. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So a couple things right up top. So first of all, um, tattoos are something that are obviously very, very deeply personal. Thankfully, I didn't hate my tattoo horror story. I just was not very comfortable with it. But also, I'm so excited that you're delving into tattoos. I could also, tattoos are also something that I could talk about forever. (laughs) I have many. So my tattoo horror story, uh, okay, let's picture it. The year is 2015. I had started this tradition with my friends from college where every Friday the 13th, we were just like, oh, let's go get a tattoo. And for those of you who don't know, uh, it's a very, very, very common practice in my cat's scratching. Can you knock that off, please? Thank you. So So polite to them. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, it's a super, super common practice in like the tattoo community or like tattoo shops in general to do Friday the 13th. Uh, specials where they do a tattoo well they'll offer tattoos some some places will do them for $13 wouldn't necessarily recommend it but (laughs) do you Um, or some places will do them for $31 that's a little bit more legit most places will have like a flash um, like a whole bunch of flash which is basically just like a bunch of pieces of paper with pre-designed tattoos that you can pick off of and get for way cheaper than you normally would um, any other day of the year It's basically Black Friday for tattoos. (laughs) Yeah. And some of them do like the, I think, wait a minute, $13 tattoo and then $7 tip for good luck. 
Yeah. So it's $20 total. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. That, that's usually how I've seen it done in the past. And that is what brings us to our, our, our horror story, dear listeners. <laughs> so I had just gotten my first tattoo in January and there was a Friday the 13th that February. So I'd just gotten my first, very first tattoo a month before I was 19 years old and I was pretty much bitten by the tattoo bug at this point. So it's like once you get one, you usually, a lot of people tend to want to get more. (laughs) Yeah. So basically like like, this happens very, very often with a lot of other people, but yeah, you get your very first tattoo and then you're like, okay, now I just want to get a whole mess of others. And that is exactly what happened to me. Uh, I got my very first tattoo and then we got the Friday the 13th tattoo the next month. So I was 19. I was not all there. So me, my then partner and my other friends, we show up to our tattoo place, quote unquote, for Friday the 13th. And it was packed. Like there were tons of people, like the line was out the door. There were people waiting outside. It was chaotic. We waited for like an hour or so. And then the receptionist uh, office manager girl who was in the front, who we had befriended the last time we were there, Mm -hmm. who was super, super sweet, super kind girl. Um, She's like the daughter of the owner of the tattoo place. Uh, She came out to us because she kind of knew us. Uh, She asked if we would be willing to come back the next day to get our tattoos done. And like, it would still be the same price and everything. It was just like, there were so many people and they were already going to be there so late. And she just didn't like, she didn't want us to basically be there until like 2 a.m. And we're just like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, you know, we were trying to be really accommodating because we're all young and stupid. Uh, (laughs) So we come back the next morning and this is where the mistakes start coming. (laughs) So most of the tattoo artists weren't even there because we show up first thing in the morning, like literally like, cause the, the girl who had said, come back, like, she was like, Oh, just come back when we first open. Like, you know, it'll be fine. So we show up when they first open (laughs) and this was our first mistake because most of the tattoo artists who were there the night before were there literally until one or two o'clock in the morning. Oh gosh, no! And so by the time we had gotten there, most of them weren't even in yet. Because they wanted to so tired, yeah. Yeah, they had just spent basically 24, uh, like 12 to 16 hours consecutively tattooing. The next Friday the 13th, they did it for 24 hours straight. That's awful. I know. (laughs) I felt so bad for them. So the only person who was available to tattoo was this really nice lady who worked out of that shop, but she had she specialized in makeup (laughs) tattoos. The first, first, second red flag, right? Second red flag where like, I was just like, oh, okay. And like in my head, for some reason, I was like, okay, so, but she knows what she's doing, right? So they just Ugh. like, oh, so-and-so is here in the back. Uh, she does makeup, but um, she's going to do a flash tattoo on you today. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly what happened, actually. <laughs> oh uh, she was visibly nervous at the concept of tattooing <laughs> us, but uh, my 19-year-old brain ignored these red flags. And when, and again, this is not like a horror story of the sense of like, it is her fault. I do not blame this woman at all. Well, I yeah. kind of do in the sense that she should have been like, I'm not comfortable doing this. <laughs> That's what I kind of blame She's her for. She's trying to get her money. I get it. I, I girl, I get it. <laughs> yeah. But like shit. <laughs> so um, I went along with it and kind of was because again, this is my second tattoo ever. Yeah, I didn't know any better, probably. Yeah. So I was just I was trusting the process, or so I thought. So I picked this really tiny flower from the flash sheet because Friday the 13th. And I got it like kind of like I got it on my ribs, like kind of, like not like on like the side, just kind of like on my like abdomen. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know what it was about like how she was doing it or I don't know what, but it hurt so bad. And yeah. I, I figured it was because it was my ribs, but also like, I'm a fleshy gal. Like it wasn't like on my bones. Like it wasn't, it was just like, it just hurt really bad. Um, Do you think it was like the way she was doing it too? I think she was pressing too hard. I will be perfectly oh. honest. Like I, I think she was just pushing down too hard and trying to get like, again, this was done in 20 minutes. It was the fastest tattoo. Oh my life. God. It never really healed correctly. Like she didn't know how to tattoo over stretch marks. I don't think like it just never healed right. And it pretty much instantly became my least favorite, most traumatic tattoo because it hurt so bad. It didn't heal correctly. It just didn't look like it just didn't look right. Um, it blew out like almost immediately. Oh no. So blow out. It's like usually um, like, the coloring gets really blurry. Right? Yeah. And it was all, bl- and it, it's, it's a flash. So it's not in color. It's literally just a tiny black flower, like line work. Okay. And so the black lines blew out. So for those of you who might, who've never gotten a tattoo or don't, don't know what that means. Um, if you tattoo um, like thin lines, there's a chance that they will expand or blow out. And that's what I'm referring to. And that's what happened. Thankfully, <laughs> there is a happy ending. Uh, I finally got it covered up this month. I have this, I basically, I got a sternum upper stomach tattoo that covers my entire upper abdomen. And it's a huge bat. And one of the wings covers that flower. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So uh, it covers that, it covers that. And when it's all, when it's all said and done and shaded and everything, it shouldn't even be visible. So <laughs> that's done. Um, my advice, uh, as if you were a young person debating tattoos and as a Friday and it, because it's Halloween, November does have a Friday the 13th. Oh, nice. Um, if you are debating getting a Friday the 13th tattoo, thankfully it's going to look very different this year because of COVID. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> If you're going to get a Friday the 13th tattoo, trust your gut and don't give in to fr- tattoo frenzy when you're 19 years old. <laughs> <laughs> My mom, she gave me this advice when I was 18 because, you know, 18, I was, I was dumb. And I was <laughs> like, I'm going to get this cool tattoo on my stomach. It's like my favorite band. And <laughs> luckily I didn't. I mean, I still don't mind them, but still it just wouldn't have been a good idea. Uh, my mom would say like, if you can have the same idea for five years for this tattoo, then after five years you can get it. You should get it, but you should probably wait for a while is basically what she was trying to say. <laughs> That's so nice of your mom. Oh my gosh. I like, I'm so glad you can't get, like, I remember being so angry. Like, why can't you do tattoos when you're like 16? I know what I want. <laughs> I'm so glad. Like I would have had the stupidest tattoos imaginable when I was 16 years old. So I'm curious, like, when this person was doing your tattoos, this person who does makeup, makeup like, permanent tattoos. makeup tattoos, yes. what what was her reaction, like, during? Do you remember? Like, it honestly, it was so, like, I mean, so long ago. It was, like, five years ago. You blocked it um, Six <laughs> years ago. I blocked a lot of it out, I'll be honest. Um, She was, like, I mean, it was fine. Like, she wasn't necessarily, like, visibly afraid. It was more like she was just, like, kind of apprehensive, and I definitely got the vibe that she was, like, totally not comfortable with doing this but she was doing it anyway (laughs) um so my further advice is now I only get tattooed by people who I really really know and really really trust I don't just because like 
most of my early tattoos I just walked into the tattoo shop that I knew yeah that was in um in where I went to college Uh in like Riverside (laughs) and I was just like hey I want this tattoo can someone tattoo me (laughs) and someone who was working there would be like sure I'll do it and like that was it I didn't like (laughs) like that's literally how I got like my first four tattoos (laughs) okay and I just I like very li- minimal research on like who was tattooing me, and now I'm I like I now I have an actual artist who I work with. Well, they're all artists, but like now I have like a, a go to artist who I work with all the time. Nice. And has done, who's done? Let's see, she's done my bat tattoo. She's done. I have a tarot card on my back. She's done like three or four of my tattoos. Do you want to shout her out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So my tattoo artist, her name is Karina. She works um, out of Stanton out here in Southern California. Her handle on Instagram is at be simplistic. She is wonderful. Uh, I'm also just a huge advocate for female tattoo artists anyway. It's such Mm -hmm. a male saturated profession. It is. And she does such beautiful work. She does a lot of uh, watercolor work. Um, she hasn't done any on me, but like she does a lot of watercolor work. Uh, she's awesome to work with and she's just a great person. So yeah, she is at Be Simplistic on Instagram. So check her out. Cool. And so basically, if you want to get a tattoo and you're young, wait a little bit. <laughs> and then your other advice would be make sure you research your artists. Um, yeah. And I mean, you could more, walk into a shop, but yeah, but you know, I mean, more so I think if you want to get a tattoo, totally fine. Like overall, I don't regret any of my tattoos. I, the only thing I regretted about the tattoo that I got covered up was just the way that like, I didn't trust my gut. Yeah. If and I listen trust, to your gut. That's a good, yeah, another good one. Yeah. Ultimately, my advice would be to trust your gut, but otherwise I honestly don't dislike any of my tattoos nice that's a that's a nice uh sentiment to have because some people do regret like their tattoos i wonder if like people with those like tweety bird or like barbed wire you know what i think regret the people who get those tattoos live their life with no regrets anyway (laughs) so i think Oh my gosh, my uncle has like the Tasmanian devil on his shoulder. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> why? Oh, yeah. Why was that a thing? I, I don't know. I don't know why he did it. I don't know. There's a lot of things I have to question with my uncle. So um yeah, he yeah. <laughs> um oh, man. I kind of like that sound, like the tattoo gun. It's kind of like therapeutic for some reason. It's very cathartic. Um, (laughs) My other advice, everyone will always tell you to eat before you get a tattoo. (laughs) That is such not bullshit. I have a pretty big tarot card tattoo on my back. The first session was fine. The second one, um, I didn't eat beforehand. And for some reason, it just hurt so much more. I don't know why. I don't know what was up with it. I was just miserable. Like that was probably my most painful. Yeah, that actually, that was my most painful tattoo by far. Oh, wow. Just getting the coloring and shading for that tattoo. Awful. So make sure you eat. Gotta, you just gotta. Because <laughs> then other, some people pass out. I don't pass out, but like some people do. Thank you for sharing yeah. your horror story about <laughs> getting your tattoo at 19. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so for the COVID catch up... 
I like to ask my guests what they have been doing to cope with this pandemic and kind of just what do you do to cope and any advice you have for people who may be struggling? Oh, this is great. Um, honestly, having a routine has like helped me so much. Everything is so like unstable and uncertain right now. And having like, um, for me, it took a really long time for me to like kind of get into cooking and like learning how to cook. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for me, like my biggest form of self-care during COVID has been cooking and trying new recipes. I was talking about baking earlier. Like I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of painting, basically finding low impact activities that I can do uh, that I still find fulfilling. Right. It's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I live alone. So it's, I think it added, thankfully I had been living by myself for I want to say five or uh, yeah, like five or six months before quarantine started. Oh, nice. So you, so you got a, I got a chance good to get used to being lonely. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I got a good little taste of it before, but then like just being stuck in my apartment because even though I was living alone, I was never here. Oh, um, okay. So when quarantine started, I kind of, it it kind of forced me to buckle in and like actually settle into my apartment. So I started decorating more. Like now I have so many more decorations and like, um, art up and all that kind of stuff. Are they horror decorations? Um, yeah, it's a good mix. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have a good, uh, Bram Stoker quote on the wall. I have some vampire fangs. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a good mix mash of, of, <laughs> of horror art and, um, and, and Halloween decorations. I have a huge like skeleton tapestry, um, nice. on my wall. So yeah, I gotta keep it all balanced, but <laughs> each, like, for example, each room in my apartment has a theme and it's all decorated to theme. And that's how I kept my sanity for the first couple months. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for me, it was just like finding the things that like, brought me joy and also it's not accessible to everyone but like therapy helps so much oh yeah big big advocate for therapy for sure yeah holy shit did you guys have to do oh go ahead go ahead oh no I was just gonna say like if if therapy um is accessible to you and if you're going through it like it is so nice like I've been in therapy for almost a year and it has dramatically changed my life Oh, yeah. I was in therapy for a few years on and off. And then um, then I found a new therapist and then that was going pretty well. And then actually, you know what? I have abandonment issues with my therapist. So like they just decided to like, oh, I'm not going to be practicing for a while. And I'm like, what do you mean? I just started with you and (laughs) you're leaving me. (laughs) oh my gosh if my therapist just decided because like this is the first this is the most consistently I've been in therapy in my entire life like I've I've done little stints in therapy and then Uh I'm like okay I'm better now gotta go and obviously that's not how therapy works at all (laughs) it is great (laughs) and and people should really go like even just before things get bad with like you don't have to go to therapy when shit gets bad, like, and you're having meltdowns. Like, you should totally. go as just, like, a maintenance thing if you have the resources. Like, 
it totally is not just for people who are having problems. Totally. Like I have some weeks with my therapist where I'm like, this is what's going on. Nothing really life altering is going on. And then we just kind of talk about that. And like, like you have your slow weeks and like, that's fine, but then it's still good to have like that maintenance, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think like for me, because I had been in therapy, like on and off for a while, like it helped me have the tools to cope with kind of the pandemic situation now. (laughs) I had been in therapy for like, let's see quarantine started in March I started therapy in January so I'd been in therapy for a couple months before um everything had started and like I went from seeing my therapist every other week to every week I was just like I am not handling this well I need help and I am so grateful for that because like if I wasn't in therapy I'd have no idea how bad things would have gotten and I really would not like to ever find out such a good resource to have but also like for people who don't have that resource everything is online if you just google like free mental health resources and put your city or your county there's usually something or some kind of hotline or something you can call where you can access free uh, mental health care there's also like a crisis hotline where you could just text them and you don't even have to be like suicidal or anything you can just be like having a hard time a person will text you through it and kind of just help you with that so definitely resources are out there totally also like just following therapists on instagram yeah that's a good one thank you for bringing that up yeah it's free and like then it's just like you have like you know these things like intermingled with like all your other stuff on instagram so yeah that's another beef that i have i just actually like love hate instagram because the (laughs) algorithm is so like fucked up like I can be following people I truly want to follow and I will never see their stuff on my on my feed at all. Yeah, like last night I was like half asleep and I was like I haven't seen this person in forever and I don't know if it's like because they deleted or because did or like yeah, did they just fall off the face of the planet? Like did they get like did, did Instagram delete them? Like I have no idea. And then like also I'm horrible. Like I can remember someone's face Till the end of time but if someone were to be like hey what's their instagram handle i could not oh, tell like you. i don't know <laughs> someone could be holding a gun to my head and i would be like i guess this is it for me yeah so <laughs> that's my beef with instagram it's like um so here's some piece like totally an aside but like if you're trying to support like your fellow creatives like your fellow podcasters your friend's business like like their posts save their posts and share their posts and comment like engage with their instagram as much as you can because that helps boost their um i guess the algorithm to make their content show up in other people's feeds yes so So it's so basically this is how instagram's algorithm works and it's fucking bullshit and it changes too i heard every year or something so every now and again excuse me yeah so basically it, Instagram will show from my understanding as of like within the past couple of months because um, I follow or I'm friends with a couple like influencers um, Instagram will show your post to 10% of your followers if they engage at a high enough capacity then it increases and then it just goes from there and there and there like it's so stupid um, like basically yeah <laughs> it's um, because they want you to pay for ads and I'm saying this on here because if I were to write a post on it, like, I swear Instagram knows um, that you're talking shit about them because they'll mm-hmm. probably, like, bury the post. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's the thing is like so make sure you like your fellow creatives posts totally. and content because they want you to buy ads, which I'm not gonna buy an ad. So Well, like even for example, my personal Instagram. Oh, um, where can we find you actually? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram uh, at Ghost Coffee Shop. Uh, that's where I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Ghost Coffee Shop. Uh, so, for example, uh, my friend who's a who's an influencer, like so, I have at the time of this recording 572 people who follow me, um, and she was like, "Oh, if you have more than like." 50 like basically 10 percent of your followers if they like a post of yours basically that means that like you did well like the goal is 10 percent always and i'm like that's it 10 percent it's stupid i'm like that's ridiculous (laughs) it is stupid and it makes me so mad but yeah yeah support your friends (laughs) support your friends um if you want to find my podcast uh on social media if now is a good time for me to plug that yeah uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are on Facebook and Twitter at Horror People Pod. And then you can find us on Instagram at Horrible People's Podcast. So H O R R O R B L E People's Podcast. Nice. So well, that's where we are. Uh, I do want to talk to you about skincare eventually, though. Yeah. Like, I could also talk about that forever. We need to link <laughs> up on that. I swear. Yes. I actually am due for like a chemical exfoliation. Like, today so god i have the ordinary chemical exfoliant <gasps> me too oh yeah um it just the first time i used it i put it on i left it on for like 30 seconds too long and i was like oh shoot, yeah. my skin is angry with me you need to set a timer for that bitch like for real i do and but like even then because it's like leave it on for two minutes and i'm like okay but i did the full two minutes even though it was my first time using it and mm-hmm. i should have only done it for like a minute <laughs> it was a mistake yeah well Thanks for coming on today. I think it was fun to discuss like horror movies and the special effects and the cool practical makeup things that they did back in the 80s versus CGI. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun to talk about this and then also, you know, talk a little bit about tattoos, talk a little bit about horror uh and then also obviously, you know, talking about beauty industry stuff is just kind of uh, also something that it, that is near and dear to my heart so thank you so much for letting inviting me on I had so much fun this was great yay well don't forget to check out the horrible I can never say I can't even say swatch of horrors I <laughs> hor, horrible people's podcast and um, yeah, we'll see you next time Bye. don't forget to follow the podcast at swatch of horrors on Instagram and Twitter And if you're a beauty professional working in the industry and you have some horror stories that you want to share with me, send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter and I just might read them on the show. Don't forget to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your favorite shows. 